Hello, and thank you for sharing some time with the National Small Business Association to talk about how the coronavirus is impacting America's small businesses. I'm Molly Day, here with NSBA, a staunchly nonpartisan organization fighting for your small business. Today, we're going to talk with NSBA President Todd McCracken and Marilyn Landis, owner of Basic Business Concepts, Inc., a company providing CFO-level advice to small firms. Marilyn comes to us with decades of lending experience as a banker who specialized in SBA loans. NSBA recently asked our members to share their questions and concerns with us over the financial stimulus aspect of the government's COVID response, namely the CARES Act and Paycheck Protection Program loans. Todd and Marilyn will give you a quick update on the legislation and then answer those questions. Todd, Marilyn, thank you for joining me today for this conversation. I'd like to start first with a quick recap of the legislation, what it's intended to do, and where things currently stand. Todd, can you bring us up to speed? Well, Molly, uh, yeah, most people probably know this by now, but just to, to just to recap, I mean, they passed a bill about a week ago that, and the president signed it, that would give two trillion dollars in assistance to Americans in various ways. The part we're going to focus on today is what's called the Paycheck Protection Plan, which basically creates a rather large loan program for the small business community. Basically, welcomes in businesses of all kinds, as long as they're small, under 500 employees, uh, or and/or meeting FBA size standards. Um, and then gives them the ability to uh, get most of that loan forgiven if they spend it on uh, essentially on on payroll uh, and rent, uh, mortgage interest, and utilities. So we think it's conceptually exactly the right thing. We've been saying from the beginning, small businesses need cash, they need liquidity, and they need it now. And this is what this is designed to do. But now we're at the point where the rubber hits the road, right? Can this get in their hands quickly and seamlessly the way we've all been hoping that it can? And so we're at that, we're at that point now as the application uh, period has begun and the banks are trying to get people into the program. So uh, uh, that's what it does. And we can talk about some of the more specifics uh, of it as we move on. But but basically uh, what it does is you decide how much of a loan you can get. You you can base that on your your payroll for the last, uh, last year. So you average out your payroll for the previous year. You figure out what your monthly payroll is, and that includes all of your, the the salaries you pay your employees, except employees that uh, have made over a hundred thousand dollars last year. And you can only include the first one hundred thousand for those people. And you take that number, then you add in various benefits that you pay for retirement, healthcare, etc. And, and that winds up being that that overall number. And you can borrow that monthly average times two and a half. So if that monthly number is $100,000, you can borrow uh, $250,000 under the, under the program. Then you're charged a very low interest rate, 1%, and you don't have to start paying anything back for at least six months. And if you, and again, if you use that money to pay for payroll, intra, mortgage interest on your place of business, or rent, or utilities, all of that gets forgiven. Um, there's another little stipulation that those other things besides payroll can't account for more than 25% of the total forgiveness. And that's something that was not in the legislation but is in the in the final uh, guidance that came out from SBA and Treasury this week. So that's the shape of what this will look like. If it works like it's intended, it will be a big benefit to lots of companies to keep them going uh, for a couple more months. 
Great. Thanks, Todd. It sounds like it should be a great program for small businesses, but as is always the case, the devil is in the details, uh, which we're going to get into now. Marilyn, as our banking expert, can you walk us through the application process and talk about how these loans might interact with current and or other loans, such as disaster loans? Sure. Thank you, Molly. The process is, is remarkably simple, but that's done by putting the onus on the borrower to provide the information and certify that it's correct. That's intended to streamline the process so that the lender, which typically would have to verify a lot of that information, is permitted to make the loan based on the certification of the borrower. So there's a special application from, for this the Paycheck Protection Loan that is different than a standard SBA application. And the borrower needs to look very carefully at the lines that it's being asked to certify because the responsibility is on them that that information is accurate. But once that's completed, they are going to be providing information to support their payroll average that they had for 2019. My understanding is there will be a point where there can be some discussion if they have a reason to believe that their payroll now is higher than what their average was in 2019. That mechanism is still not clear how the lenders would be doing that. There's still a lot of questions for the lenders. They just got the guidance very, very short time ago, so there's work on this yet to be done. But the application is online at treasury.gov. You can easily bring it down, put your information in, prepare your payroll records just so that you can document what you're, we paid monthly for the, last, the 12 months in 2019, any exceptions that you feel might be important, and then approach your bank. Uh, check first with your regular bank to see if they are eligible yet. They're starting first with SBA lenders. The first ones that got approval, my understanding, were the express SBA lenders and then expanding it to other SBA lenders, and then spreading it out to additional lenders. The intent is to get this out to as many small businesses as possible. Therefore, there need to be as many lenders as possible. As Todd has said, you can amount equal to two and a half times your average payroll, but that's the maximum loan amount. So if you've had a change in your employment and don't need that much money to maintain the employees you have, then you can take the amount you need. The question was, do you have to apply in person? That's pretty difficult these days with many of the banks working from home. One of the advice that I was heard recently was to go to you go on the, online and let them know you want to talk to somebody. Many of the uh, people working from home are getting messages and directions from there, uh, but in many cases they're trying to do it so you do not have to go in person, particularly in the areas in the country that are quarantined. And do you have to have an account with the bank? No. Do you have to have an existing relationship? No. The only reason that it's easier for a business to go to a bank they already know they know who to call, they know who the people are. How does this work in conjunction with the economic injury development disaster loans that are already out there and many people have applied for, routinely referred to as the idle loan? When the guidelines came out for the payroll protection, it you are due disclosed on the application if you have an idle loan and any of the proceeds from that idle loan that were used for payroll. That portion of the idle loan will be rolled into the new payroll protection loan. The idea is that they've got all the payroll documented in one place. The rest of your loan proceeds can be for use that you choose to use. As Todd had said, not only the forgiveness, but the use of proceeds is tied to 75%, at least 75% going toward payroll, and no more than 25% going to mortgage interest, loan interest, rent. So. Keep that in mind when you're applying for the paycheck loan, what portion. The disaster loan is meant to repair economic injury, so you have more flexibility in use of proceeds from that loan and from the advance for that loan. 
One does not exclude the other. They know you're applying for both in many cases. The application indicates that. You disclose the information. The other question is about multiple businesses applying and what's yet clarified is the SPA's what's called affiliate rule. And that would be a case of anyone who has ownership in the business and owns other businesses and those all being pulled together for size standards as well as eligibility. And there's literally some discussions going on at some very, very high levels now trying to decide what or how that could be eased in order to put the, the money faster into the hands of small businesses. Another question that many businesses have is what happens if I already have an SPA loan? There's good news for you if you have an SBA loan. You immediately get a six-month deferment. In fact, it's better than a deferment. The SBA is actually going to make the payment for you on your principal and interest for six months. So you need to get a hold of your loan officer immediately and let them know that you want that deferment on the loan. Many banks are already submitting it um, because they can and just relying on the borrower to tell them if they don't want the deferment. So that's a very good thing you can do immediately. Then you can also apply for the EIDL loan or the payroll protection loan. You simply can't exceed the maximum loan that an SBA is permitted to make to any one borrower. Thanks, Marilyn. Todd, one of the major things with the uh, Paycheck Protection Program and why NSBA was supportive of it in terms of helping senators craft a legislative package is the forgiveness provision. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's it's really it's a centerpiece, and this I think this is a central message that I really want to get out to people because I'm still talking to small business owners, uh, folks in the media, et cetera, who still don't realize how significant the forgiveness can be for companies. They think this is a loan in many cases because that's how it's initially going to be received, and that's how it's being talked about. But most of this money will be essentially converted into a grant program. Uh, people need to understand that they're not taking on probably a huge new debt burden or interest burden. So I think that that's really crucial. And people want to know how, how will that forgiveness be treated? For instance, there are companies that have had to either lay off or partially furlough some of their employees, and they wonder if that will impede the forgiveness. And the answer is both yes and no, of course, because you can only get monies forgiven if you actually spent them. So if your payroll is smaller than it used to be, then you can't get forgiven for not paying something, uh, some amount of money. You can only be forgiven things you've actually paid. So, but what it does do is give you the opportunity, if you choose to take it, to rehire those people or to increase their hours back to where they were and have it fully funded by by this program, at least for at least for eight weeks. So that's something that I think a lot of companies will want to uh, take advantage of. It does not, however, allow you to use those monies to pay 1099 contractors. So if you use, uh, you currently use contractors to, you know, you know maintain your website or, or do your books or, or whatever the particular thing is, uh, those are not monies that are, that are eligible for this program. Uh, so it's only employees that are eligible. Those, those uh, self-employed individuals are eligible to get their own loan through this program. And uh, I think that's also something that has not been widely understood. So that, that's how that that would work uh, under this. Uh, the other thing people have to bear in mind is that to make sure that people aren't you know, sort of, quote, gaming the system, they want to make sure that they're only taking care of business decisions that were made without this program in mind, if you will. So there's a cutoff of February 15th. So if, you're, if you weren't in business on February 15th, if the mortgage that you are looking for forgiveness for wasn't in place on February 15th, if the, if the lease that you're looking to get forgiveness for for the rent payments was not in place on February 15th, et cetera, those can't be included. 
the business itself can't get the loan if you weren't in business on February 15th of this year, and you can't get forgiveness for those other business expenses uh, if they uh, if the deal wasn't in place on February 15th. So that's really important. And then there, there will be some businesses that are legitimate businesses that had legitimate expenses, and they signed the contract on February 16th. And as the rules are currently constructed, uh, they unfortunately will not be able to get forgiveness for those particular expenses. Uh, but they can still use money from the loan to pay for those things. They just can't ultimately get forgiveness for them uh, at the end, if that makes sense. So th those are, the, I think, a few of the things that people uh, have been concerned about. And then finally, I get a lot of questions about where does this, where's this money coming from? And and it's a, it's a federal program, both the Economic Injury Development uh, Disaster Loans that uh, the SBA rolled out previously, which are which are direct loans from the SBA and are not the loans that are forgiven. And this new Paycheck Protection Plan loans, all of it comes from the from federal appropriation. And uh, while the banks are actually making the the Paycheck Protection loans, they are 100% guaranteed by the federal government, and that's how the bill will ultimately be paid. And that's another really important point here that I think we can't underscore enough. And that is, if you want one of the loans, apply for them right away because there is a, a specific amount of money set aside for these, and they are first come, first serve. Uh, and I don't, I would not be surprised if we run out of money. So there's not really a ranking system here. It really is. Uh, the banks will continue to make these loans so long as the federal guarantee is not depleted. So uh, uh, that very well could happen. So I would urge people not to wait. Thanks, Todd. And, and that gives us a, a good segue into my next question. And I, I just want to get a feel from both of you. And we'll start with you, Marilyn. Uh, what are you hearing on the street in terms of you know the, the rollout of this program and, and how it's working for small businesses so far? One of the things the banks have been done has been very, very proactive in calling their their customers and letting them know the program is coming online, encouraging them to get their information together, to get ready for it. At one point, there was even an application that they could send out. Followed on that was a new application, and SBA then decided you could use either one. It's okay. So they really have been proactive. As a result, many businesses are ready. They're thinking about how much they need, what they need, how they're going to handle it. And are starting because much of it can be done electronically. They're starting to submit those documents to their their prospective banks to get approval. So in that sense, it's moving quickly. Its ability to tie to the idle loan that's a piece that shouldn't slow it down because they simply put down the information that they put down when they applied for the idle loan, whether they've gotten it or not, and they can that'll be sorted out. So it's good things are happening with this. People are responding to it. Todd, you're right. And that first reaction, first blush on this was it was a loan, and there was concern about that. Um, it works really well for small businesses who have employees. The, but the, keep in mind that the first piece is hitting now, which is for employ, companies who are employers with employees. The part that Todd referenced for the independent contractors and the self-employed, the banks won't have those guidelines for a week. So if there's some confusion about that piece of the program, that's why, but it is coming. Thanks, Marilyn. That's really helpful. And Todd, what are you hearing from folks on the, on the, the initial rollout? Well, I mean, it's, it shouldn't surprise anybody that there have been, you know, a few bumps in the road. I mean, it, it's, I don't think I've been doing small business advocacy work for 30 years, and we've never tried anything like this. I mean, if a $2 trillion bill got passed, uh, one weekend, and they try to stand up a $350 billion loan program out of it within seven days with all the rules and applications. And 
thousands of, of uh, uh, cooperating banks in place within days. It's 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 a task that, while as crucial as it is, and time is is absolutely of the of the essence, we have to expect some hiccups. I mean, we just have to. That doesn't mean we have to. We, we're not going to hold these folks accountable for getting it right and getting it done quickly. But the reality is, there are going to be some hiccups, and I think there have been some hiccups. Most of those are in uh, banks trying to understand their responsibility to verify whether there's a, a company is a real business uh, and how far they have to go in that regard, what liabilities they might have. I think the banks are getting much more comfortable in that regard. And I think the second level of hiccups that we're, we've seen, and I think are going to get resolved fairly quickly, also, is this idea that the banks are going to rank essentially their, their customers. Uh, and already we've seen some banks have initially said that they were going to start off one way and, and only respond to their existing loan base, do a, a fairly fast about face on that. And so I think that will that probably will change, at least for most banks, in the early days of this as well. The other thing that people should realize is that there are two classes of banks. Right, and there are banks that are that are already part of the SBA 7A loan program, and those are the banks that are going to be most likely to be ready to go, to the extent they can be with this program. There will be there will be other financial institutions, banks, credit unions, and others uh, that will be able to participate in this program, but they're going to take an additional step to do that because they're if they don't if they're not already participating in the in the with the SBA 7A program, so that's going to take a little bit more time as well for those institutions. So it really is important, I think, for people to figure out which of those categories their bank fits into, and if they need to go shopping for another bank that might be able to get their application turned around a little bit more quickly. And for the folks listening, all this information is available on sba.gov. Um, certainly, we want you to go to our website, uh, nsba.biz. We have a whole resource page all about um, COVID-19 and, and various resources available to you. Uh, we do have links from our page to SBA. Um, but once you're on SBA's website, you can poke around and find out who exactly those approved lenders are, um, where they are based on zip code. So it, the information is all available. So if, if you're having trouble finding it, check out our website and we'll direct you to the right place. Um, uh, commercials aside, I'd like to um, jump back to another issue that's, that we think is really important with this, and that, that's the cost of these loans. And I'd like to chat with you, Marilyn. Talk to us about the interest rates, um, how, how that is, is going to be different from existing loan programs or from just a traditional non-SBA loan. The final ruling came through with an interest rate of 1%. That's a very small amount. And that interest rate will accrue on the pay, on the um, Paycheck Protection Loan as you're going forward, uh, as, as there are no payments in the first six months. You don't have to make any payments. And that interest will accrue. Some folks may find that that's a little piece of the final 25% that helps pay that interest. They may find that 1% is not all that onerous for them to pay. So that part of it is keeping it remarkably low. The second piece is, and this is important, there are a lot of folks out there getting blasted through their emails that they should, that we can help you pay us this fee and we'll help you get the loan. The SBA has said all of these agents, as they're calling, cannot charge the borrower. If the bank decides that it's going to use, and many of the very professional people that typically do assist with this, the bank has to pay that agent out of their fee. So there's meant to be no cost to the borrower. There are no upfront SBA fee, uh, no processing fees, none of that. So that, that's all positive since these loans have no collateral. There'll be no filing against collateral that'll have to be charged. There are no personal guarantees. 
So you eliminate any of those, that extra paperwork and the extra filing costs with that. So it's a very, very low cost to the borrower. Will some borrowers and should some absolutely run things by their normal financial people to make sure that what they say is in fact accurate so that they don't fall afoul of a misstatement and be subject to fraud. But that's different than asking them to do the application. And after years of doing SBA applications where most people needed help, this one is very straightforward and very simple, and they should be able to do that. The only thing that may get a little complicated that we need more guidance on is this idea of the affiliate rule. And if you have to list all the possible affiliates under the SBA rule, that can be lengthy. And but that should not incur any additional cost for the borrower. So it's almost no cost to the borrower. Thanks, Marilyn. Now, one of the questions I know we've gotten quite a bit is is how how do you deal with credit? Um, so, you know, let's say you filed for bankruptcy a couple years back or you just don't have great credit for whatever reason. Uh, how does that play with getting these loans? There have been two different sets of guidance on this, probably because the rules were written differently at different times. So at some point, I think you may see them align. Uh, one of the guidances was that they would be using what the SBA calls its credit score, which looks at your personal credit score as well as certain attributes to the business and arrive at a score. They've set, set the threshold, they believe, low enough that it should not disqualify borrowers, and they're willing to raise it, take it lower if they need to. So the intent is not to disqualify, but they will look at a credit score. What's unclear is whose credit score they're going to look at if there are multiple owners, but they will look at that. Bankruptcy, they're saying, will not be a factor. The only time it would be a factor is if the business, either through bankruptcy or through some other action, left a, got what's called a short payoff, meaning they couldn't pay the full amount at the bank. Maybe that was discharged in bankruptcy. But if the SBA was not paid in full and there was a loss, they are eliminated from borrowing for these loans. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying that. One of the key components of the forgiveness piece, Todd, uh, which I'd like to expand upon, is the hiring or firing of employees that might um, impact these loans, as well as how unemployment insurance works in concert with these loans. Can you elaborate on that for us? I can try to. The, 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 I've gotten this question a lot from folks. And uh, if you are uh, a company that's because the big concern, of course, is, well, what if I've already laid off people before this loan ever gets here? How am I supposed to take their salary off? And, and that, is, that is a significant question, especially because the registration stipulates that your forgiveness rate will be reduced by the, by the degree to which you've reduced employment uh, during this period. But there is a, uh, a clause that allows companies to rehire as long as they do it by June and they won't be penalized in that way. However, you can only, and this is an important point, you can only get forgiveness for money you actually spent. So if people are laid off and you're not paying them, you cannot be forgiven for money you would have paid them or could have paid them. You can only be forgiven for what you did pay them. So to take advantage of that, you've got to, you've got to make sure there are enough people on the payroll to, to get money back. You may need to be rehiring some people. Because the other thing to bear in mind, if you're using the other portion of the loan, you hope to get forgiveness for mortgage interest or rent payments or utilities, that amount can only be 25% of the total forgiveness. So in order for you to get credit for those things, your payroll uh, forgiveness has to be significant enough to uh, to uh, take advantage of those things. But folks have until June to rehire individuals uh, in, order to, in order to get forgiveness, but the amount of forgiveness is going to depend on what you actually pay people during this period. 
And then in terms of, of unemployment insurance, uh, there really isn't an interplay there except in the case of where there may be a partial furlough. So there is a part of the bill also that funds unemployment insurance for if states choose to allow uh, short-time compensation. So in other words, people can get – if they were cut to half time, they get credit for some of that for unemployment without actually having to quit their job entirely, leave their job entirely. And uh, so that there's interplay there in that you're paying people less, you only for, get forgiven for that part of the loan. But but otherwise, there's not really a connection between the unemployment system and the loan forgiveness piece. Great. Thanks, Todd. I'd also like you to touch briefly on some of the tax issues related to the loans, specifically payroll deductions. Well, employers should also know that they are able to defer payment of their share of, of employee FICA taxes, not the, not the employee portion, but the parts that the employer owes, uh, they can defer that a few months under this law as well. Now, they still have to pay it. Uh, they have uh, 2021 and 2022 to get it paid, um, but uh, they, can, they can defer that. That's not a huge uh, amount of money, but every bit of cash helps for companies now. Um, it doesn't really affect the loan forgiveness piece of it, but it is something that could uh, could have a positive impact on their cash flow, so they should be aware of that. Okay. Thanks, Todd. Now, for you both, we're, I, I want to wrap up. I know everybody's time is uh, running short these days. Any additional thoughts people should be aware of? Marilyn, why don't you start? One thing that they should be aware of in this age where workforces are very often virtual and scattered across the globe, the employees that do not have their primary residence in the United States are ineligible for you to count them in your payroll. So it's something that if a business has employees who do not reside in the United States, they might be on the border with Mexico and they happen to be across the border, whatever it happens to be, but they don't have the principal residence in the U.S., they need to be prepared with that information when they're applying so that they are not later deemed to be ineligible. Great. Thanks, Marilyn. And to you, Todd, any final thoughts? Uh, well, a couple of things. One is I've heard from companies that say, gosh, I don't know that I want to take on more debt. And I would encourage them not to think that way and that they should get as, as big a loan out of this as they as they can, as they are allowed to get, because there are no prepayment penalties. If you get a loan and you decide that you're, you're okay and you don't want to have this debt looming over you beyond what is going to be forgiven, there are no prepayment penalties. You can pay back the loan essentially without penalty and get forgiven whatever interest is accumulated on that portion of it to that point. So there's really no downside to, to getting this loan and it could, it could save your business and save your employees. So that's one thing that I think is important for you to realize. Second, we can't promise this, but I, I think it is likely that this is not the end of these programs. I think there's a very good chance that this program will be replenished with more funding and or new programs somewhat like it will be created. Um, I mean, the talk on Capitol Hill among senators and House members and within the administration already is that, that this is likely to go on longer than it was realized even a couple of weeks ago when this legislation was being drafted um, and that uh, they feel like it is likely they will need to come back and do more. So if people feel like, gosh, suddenly eight weeks doesn't seem like much, they're not alone. And uh, people are already thinking along those lines. Great. Thanks, Todd. Marilyn, was there anything else you wanted to add? Any final statements? The only piece I would add is this is a very, very important piece of the legislation, but it won't cover all the needs of the business. And there are more things in the bill, and I'm sure there'll be to topics you will do on future podcasts that could enable businesses to take advantage of other ways 
not today, but in the near future, to have more cash. Thank you, Marilyn and Todd. This is all really useful information. And thanks to you for spending a few moments with NSBA. NSBA has set up a COVID resource page, which is accessible at nsba.biz. We're posting updates constantly. We have a wealth of information and links to government resources and much more information available for you on this page. And please follow us on social media at NSBA Advocate. We know this is an incredibly difficult time you're facing now, and we want you to know that we're in this fight with you. Stay safe and stay healthy.